Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go at you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello, hello. Well, Andy, we are coming to that time of year when the sports, they they get away, they go away, and the summer begins. Now, it's not a bad thing. Summer's a wonderful time of year, especially in Minnesota and the upper Midwest, but it does uh, start to limit a little bit of our content. So before our content goes away completely, we've got some uh, NCAA to talk about. Uh, let's start with softball. So um, softball didn't was on the bubble. I, I guess I never fully understood how on the bubble was. We're, we're, sorry, were the Gophers uh, coming into the NCAA tournament? Well, so apparently they were less on the bubble than everybody had thought. Um, so the, the Gophers, you know, they basically came in to the uh, before the NCAA tournament. Uh, to, to start, they finished the Big Ten under 500 with an 11 and 12 record. Uh, they came in just two games over 500 with the regular season record. Uh, which would normally make you think there's no way that they are going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, their, their saving grace being is they have played the second toughest non-conference schedule in the nation. Uh, we're talking games against, uh, I think, you know, we're talking Georgia, we're talking number one Oklahoma, we're talking Oklahoma State, who's ranked eighth, tenth in the nation, Texas, um, you know, things like that, along with, uh, you know, a couple of tough Big Ten teams in, in number six Northwestern, who the Gophers beat two out of three, uh, the final week of the regular season, and honestly, that weekend probably cemented their at-large bid. Um, you know, like I said, I, I thought they were going to be much more tightly on the bubble, but apparently the uh, the committee chair gave the last four in, and Minnesota wasn't even one of those four teams. So they were they were pretty safely in the uh, NCAA tournament, even though they lost in the opener to the Big Ten tournament to Wisconsin, which may in fact have been the game that got the Badgers into the tournament. Um, as they they stuck in as one of those final four teams, uh, giving the Big Ten a record seven teams in the NCAA tournament. So. Um, you know, Minnesota got in, uh, which was good. Um, they didn't do so hot, which was bad. Yeah. You, you would have hoped for a little more than, you know, two losses and gone. Well, I mean, yeah, they did. So they started their regional, uh, they were, they were the number three seed. They played number two seed, Texas A&M. Texas A&M also only was two games over 500 as a record coming into the, uh, the full season. Uh, the thing they had going for them is they play in the powerhouse softball conference that is the SEC. So even though they finished in 12th place out of 13 teams in the SEC, they still made the NCAA tournament as a two seed, uh, which shows you how, how good the SEC t- really, really is as a a softball conference. Um, And so Minnesota squared off against the Aggies in the opener uh, on Friday. They lost 5-1, just really weren't ever in the game. Um, And then they had to to come back and and play Prairie View A&M, who arguably was the worst team in the field. Uh, They got in by winning the SWAC, uh, but I think they said their RPI was like 280th or something like that. Just, I mean, and their record was like seven games under 500 to show you how bad they were. Um, Minnesota had no problem with then knocking them off 13 to one uh, Saturday, after, early Saturday afternoon, and then they had to come back in the doubleheader and face Texas A&M again, uh, who had lost a nail biter three to two to Oklahoma in the winners bracket. Um, and it looked like the Gophers were going to knock out the Aggies. Things were going great. They got some key hits. Um, you know, Autumn Pease, who. Uh, you know, had thrown uh, a great game through five innings. Minnesota had a 6-2 lead, and they brought in freshman pitcher Emily Levitt, who had been uh, sort of the 1A, 1B with Pease on the pitching staff uh, for Minnesota this year. 
Uh, and she probably gave up six runs and six hits in the top of the sixth. And the lead went from 6-2 Minnesota to 8-6 Texas A&M. Uh, the Gophers got one back, but then the Aggies added a couple more in the seventh. Minnesota lose 10-7 and uh, end their season. So the Gophers uh, go out. They finish the final record with a 27-26 and one record. Uh, you know, not one that's going to go down in, in history and the record books for Minnesota, but they did keep their NCAA tournament streak alive at nine seasons. Um, and, and now they're going to have to do a bunch of building back for next year. Uh, the season has only been over for two days, but yet Minnesota's already lost four players in the transfer portal since their season ended, including uh, that pitcher, Emily Levitt, who uh, apparently didn't exactly like how things were going, even though she basically was Minnesota's one of Minnesota's main two pitchers uh, and was slated to be you know the number two pitcher next season. Uh, she's going to go try and see if the grass is green or somewhere else she's in the transfer portal. Um, a couple of the players that didn't have a huge role this season, and then Chloe Evans, who was Minnesota's number two home run hitter this season. She had 10 home runs in the season for the Gophers. Uh, the Green Bay native uh, apparently has decided she's going to look elsewhere as well. So Minnesota already with four players in the portal. Um, we'll have to see how, how the Gophers can try and add. They need to find some pitching at the very least. Uh, as we said, Peace was the number one pitcher. She's going to be back for her COVID senior, super senior season next year. She was limited this year. She had off-season shoulder surgery, which allowed uh, – only set a 70-pitch limit in each of her games, which sort of hamstrung the Gophers as Minnesota lost a couple of pitchers um, after the fall season due to injuries or due to retirements and things like that. So they really they really had a two-pitcher pitching staff, which uh, when it comes to major conference D1 softball just won't cut it. Uh, you saw you saw teams just getting used to the Gophers two pitchers and really sort of beating them up here in the end games of series, um, and they just ran out of gas. So. Uh, Minnesota will have to, to battle back to try and keep that streak alive next year. They've got, uh, you know, a really, really great freshman class coming in. They've got a couple of players, probably the the Miss Softball in Minnesota, uh, as well as a player named uh, Jess Oakland out of California, who's supposedly one of the top uh, 30 best uh, prospects in the country. So uh, hopefully the Gophers can put it together, but uh, a bit of a, a sad end uh, to Minnesota season. And now they'll watch on is, uh, seven teams that they faced this season are still in the uh, final 16 in the NCAA tournament. So it does show you the Gophers played a, a really tough schedule, uh, but they will be uh, watching the rest of the year, uh, from home. That feels by a sizable margin. That feels like the best, the big 10. Well, I guess when you say teams, they played on my brain went to the big 10, but of course they played a bunch of, as we, as you noted, the, the strong non-conference, how many of those are big 10 teams who are still uh, I believe the only Big Ten team still in the field is Northwestern, who Minnesota beat two out of three games. Uh, Northwestern, I think, was the number nine national seed, and they won their they won their home uh, home regional, so they're uh, they're on to the super regionals. Um, but you know, Oklahoma, who the Gophers played twice this year uh, and and won that region, uh, they they advanced. Uh, I believe uh, uh, I think Arizona State. Might be in it. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the uh, bracket as we speak so I can see who else the Gophers have played. Um, sorry, let's see. Uh, UCF, the Gophers played UCF and beat UCF early in the season. Uh, they're in the field. Arizona State, Northwestern are in the field and will play one another. Uh, Oklahoma State, the Gophers played. They're in the field. Uh, Texas, who the Gophers played, they upset uh, Washington. 
uh, was the number 13 seed there in the field. Uh, Stanford, who Minnesota lost to it, and now has Minnesota former coach Jessica Alistair, who went back to her alma mater. Stanford upset Alabama in Tuscaloosa, which is ridiculously impressive. Um, Alistair trying to get the payback for when Minnesota got screwed and had to go to uh, Tuscaloosa back about four years ago, if anybody remembers that. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of familiar teams that Minnesota played in the field. Uh, they beat UCF. They beat Northwestern. I think they lost to all the other teams. But, uh, you know, um, tough schedule gets you gets you prepared for these, uh, these type of games. They just uh, didn't have the pitching and didn't have the horses to pull it out in the end. All right, well, transitioning to another uh, set of NCAAs, you got the, the track teams uh, in the West Regionals uh, this weekend. Um, Andy, you were at the Big Ten Championships. Um, what's your kind of take on what uh, we can expect from the Gophers, you know, coming into the NCAAs? Yeah, you know, Minnesota with, uh, with three individual uh, event champions in the Big Ten, which obviously uh, puts them in good condition to potentially advance onto this weekend's NCAA regionals. Uh, you got Alec Bastian, who won the 3,000-meter steeplechase, and Matt Wilkinson. Uh, Matt Wilkinson is a, is a great story. Two-time Division Three. 3,000 meter steeplechase champion at Carlton, uh, transferred into Minnesota for his, I believe, junior senior year this year, and uh, was been right behind Bastion, finished finished second in the Big Ten, right on his heels, and they, they both will be uh, in in uh, uh, Tuscaloosa, no, not Tuscaloosa, uh, Fayetteville, excuse me, Fayetteville University of Arkansas, who's hosting the Assembly West Regionals this weekend. Um, so you had Bastion who won the 3,000 meter steeplechase. You got uh, Costa Zaltos, who won the Big Ten Hammer Throw, as one of the top five largest throws in the country so far this year. And then on the women's side, you have Abigail Schaff in the 400-meter uh, hurdles, who won the Big Ten as well. Uh, so Minnesota, the, the men are bringing uh, 19 entries, 17 different individual athletes. The women are bringing 21 entries, uh, 18 different individual athletes, uh, everything ranging from the sprints. Minnesota has three women who've qualified in the 100 meters. Uh, they brought both their four by one and four by four relay teams. Um, several several field participants as well. Uh, the men are bringing uh, pole vaulter, two triple jumpers, uh, two discus and hammer throwers. Actually, four hammer throwers advanced all from the from the Big Ten, making it to the NCAA West Regionals. Um, the way it works basically is you have to finish in the top twelve. If you finish in the top twelve uh, with everybody else in the West Regional, then you make advance to the full NCAA championships in two weeks. Here, uh, you don't finish in the top twelve. Your season's over. You go home. So uh, we'll have a preview article up on the blog here before the. Uh, before the meet starts on Thursday down at uh, the University of Arkansas. But, uh, you know, if it's if it's the way Minnesota usually does it, they'll probably have between 8 and 10, 8 and 12 athletes that will make it through this uh, final regional round of qualifying to the full NCAA championships here in uh, in two weeks. So that will be nice. And, and they're the last program standing. Uh, the track and field teams are the only team still participating in the 21-22 season. Everybody else's seasons are done. Uh, baseball ended with a thud last week. As we said, softball went out in the NCAA tournament last week. So uh, it's it's just the track and field team until uh, fall practice starts for the fall sports in the beginning of August. Well, if the first half of uh, the pod was focused on the NCAAs, we get some schedule, a little bit of schedule talk uh, to kind of go to the second half. Uh, I, I'm going to bring us to basketball first, Andy. We've gotten a little more clarity on the men's basketball non-conference for the 2022-2023 season. Underwhelming seems to be a good word to describe the strength of this non-conference schedule. 
Um, you had a chance to, to write up on it earlier. I'm just interested what your take was. Yeah, you know, we've, we've got some initial games. Uh, the, the newest news announced earlier here on Tuesday is the Gophers will be participating in the SoCal Challenge uh, held uh, the Monday and Wednesday before Thanksgiving in beautiful San Juan Capistrano, California. Uh, the scenery will be amazing. The, uh, the other teams of the field of the tournament, eh, not so much. Um, the Gophers will be competing in the surf division. Uh, they'll most likely play uh, either Cal Baptist or Southern Illinois in the opening round on Monday, uh, trying to set up a potential Wednesday championship game against UNLV, who is the only other, uh, well, I won't even say power team, only other team that has you know any any type of uh, NCAA history. Yeah, I, I didn't know Cal Baptist played basketball, or or was apparently it they? they're in the whack. So. Um, um, you know, and at least obviously the surf division is the high division with Minnesota and UNLV, the sand division, the other four teams that will play, uh, are Cal State, Northridge, Central Michigan, High Point, and Tennessee State. So, uh, not exactly a, a crazy good field for the SoCal challenge, but apparently it was nationally televised last year on CBS Sports Network. Uh, and they've said that all of the primetime games will be televised yet again on CBS Sports Network. So people back here in the Twin Cities should be able to watch uh, Minnesota play their two games, hopefully um in that tournament come november but uh, a few other dates have come out uh remember minnesota headed down to mississippi state starksville to play um play the rebels uh last year uh they've got that return game coming back to williams arena they will host uh, mississippi state at the barn on december 11th which is a sunday um and a couple other weak, weak non-conference home games. Uh, it sounds like Chicago State, uh, one of the worst Division One teams in the last ten years. Um, they were seven and twenty-five last year <laughs> after playing in the WAC. Uh, they're going to come in right before Christmas, December twenty-second, to the barn. Uh, then the game right after the barn, right before the Gophers leap back into Big Ten play, will be Elkhorn State coming to the barn. Uh, apparently, that game was supposed to be played last year, but ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Uh, so Elkhorn State will make the return trip to, to Williams Arena. Uh, apparently, there's also a non-conference game that is supposedly date pending against St. Francis of New York, um, who went ten and twenty last year. Uh, 7-11 in the NEC. So, um, and then of course there's the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Minnesota's do a home game this year. Um, looking at the bottom of the ACC, um, basically it looks like probably Boston College, NC State, Georgia Tech, or Pitt. The Gophers played at Pitt last year, so probably forget about that. Uh, Boston College was their team two years ago, so probably the Eagles not necessarily opponent. So you're looking at probably somebody like NC state or Georgia tech coming to the barn in that one. So, uh, still probably five, four or five non-conference games still to be announced. Um, so the good news is the potential is definitely there for the Gophers to, to run the table in the non-conference and potentially have a 10 and 0, 11 and 0 non-conference. Uh, the problem is that in the net ranking, that ain't going to help them much. And they're going to actually, you know, assuming assuming Minnesota is going to have a much improved team this year, uh, they're going to have to probably get close to almost a bare minimum 500 schedule in the Big Ten um, with that week of a non-conference team if they want to try and sneak in to be an NCAA bubble team. So got to take care of business against the week schedule, but it also means you got to take care of business in the Big Ten as well if you want to get dancing in March. Well, the basketball schedule, you know, had some specificity to it. Football, Big Ten football, the schedules for 2023 and 2025, the actual conference schedules, had been announced, I think, for almost two years now. I've been up on the websites across the 
the league, you know, you knew what to expect. Perhaps you were already figuring out some of uh, dreaming ahead of what your some of your road trips would be. Uh, those are gone. The schedules, the conference schedules for 2023, 2024, and 2025 are out. They are no longer visible on any school website. Uh, and that probably means they're getting rid of divisions. Yeah, it, it just happened to be, they just happened to be wiped from every single school in the conference, coincidentally, about 48 hours after the NCAA voted to say that, uh, and that uh, teams didn't have to have division champions play in their, in their school, in the conference championship game anymore. Now they can just pick uh, the top two teams in, in the conference to do that. And you've already seen some schools decide that that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the Pac-12 is still going to play the schedule they have, uh, but they basically said, uh, know what if, if you win the south division championship and you're not one of the top two teams uh we're gonna take the two best teams from the north and put you in the championship game here uh this december um you know no no one of the other schools have done that yet uh the big Ten still sticking with divisions for 2022 um which is good because i may have placed some wagers on that uh about two days before they made this decision and i i didn't really want them to all go invalid on me um but yeah uh 23, 24, 25, anything in the future after this season is now completely wiped. And so I will fully imagine here at some point, um, whether it be this football season or maybe they may they may go the route of, of what the ACC does, is, is we may be waiting to see what the 2023 schedule is going to be until it's announced in like February, March, or even April of, of 2023. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, everybody has an opinion. Uh, there was an article in the Athletic where Mark Coyle was was quoted, basically saying, you know, uh, the most important thing to Minnesota is maintaining rivalries, making sure that the Gophers play Iowa every year, making sure the Gophers play Wisconsin every year. Um, you know, and, and several of the formats that have been potentially thrown out there have been sort of a uh, a a three six or uh, what is it like a a three three five scheduling. I can't remember exactly the number, but basically you'd have three locked-in rivals that you would play every year, um, and then basically you would see every other team in the conference once every other year. Um, so basically, you know, instead of in this rotating schedule where I think the Minnesota – not we played them more often, but, you know, in the first – since the division started, I think Minnesota's played Indiana something like three times. Um, you would You would be guaranteed to see the Hoosiers every other year and at home once every four years. Um, you know, the, the question of course then comes down to is, is, and where people won't be happy is, is, you know, looking at the rivalry matchups. If Minnesota gets stuck playing Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan every single year, whereas Purdue gets to play Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana every year, that doesn't seem very fair now, does it? I mean, but it's still Purdue. It, admittedly, it's still Purdue, but, and, and I mean, in Minnesota, fully say that they've got to beat the big boys if they want to be near the top of the Big Ten Conference. And so, I mean, it is what it is. But, um, you know, if you want to know who's uh, who's the happiest in the Big Ten, uh, just look to who whined the loudest, and that would be our friends over in Penn State. Uh, James Franklin and Sandy Barber have been whining and moaning and complaining, oh, we've been getting screwed for so long, so long, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's going to be great when the Big Ten says, okay, fine, great, your permanent rivals are Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Enjoy that one, Penn State. Um and then, oh, by the way, instead of beating up on the rest of the week of the Big Ten East, uh, you can probably have to get stuck playing two of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska every other year. So uh, good luck with that one. Uh, but 
you know, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. Nobody really knows exactly what they're going to do. Um, it's also potentially, you know, un, un, uncoincidentally, uh, here in the next month to two months, we should be hearing about uh, the potential new Big Ten media contract going forward. Uh, <laughs> that contract is is up for bid right now, and uh, don't think that that's not having a huge role in in playing this whole thing. Is is you know trying to schedule more marquee games every season that they can they can sell to advertisers and things like that. Um, so it's it's all intertwined. And then I mean it's with the new media deal and things like that. You're still going to have. I mean, there's some unsubstantiated reports that USC has been trying to talk to the Big Ten, saying, "Hey, you know." Uh, I see all this money you're making and uh, us out here on the West Coast, we're not really seeing near that. Uh, Want to chat? Um, so who knows what's really going to happen here as we, we go over, obviously, with uh, Texas and Oklahoma heading to the SEC in three years. It's going to try and, and set a reset. And the, and the Big Ten, as much as we may wish for the olden days, is probably also going to look at trying to, to keep things even. And then money's going to talk and, and who knows. But... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a brand new world. Um, and, you know, I we just hope that when we sit here two or three years from now, uh, we're not looking back at all these times Minnesota was a play or two away from, from winning the Big Ten West and going, what if? Because we're back from basically having to have the season of a lifetime to do anything other than finishing fifth or below in, or fifth or higher in the Big Ten. Uh, just because, you know, you got to, you got to face Ohio State every other year, which you know in in recent history has not gone well. You got to face Michigan every other year, which in in you know the most recent history has not gone well, and things like that. So um, only time will tell. But it's it's definitely something as a Minnesota fan that uh, you, you may be anxiously waiting to see what they determine because um, if history has anything to say with us, the decisions that the Big Ten makes usually do not smile brightly in favor of the maroon and gold compared to some other schools. I think if I had my preference, I would have them go protect two rivalries and then whip up the schedule with everything else. Like Once you get past the second rivalry, there's really no reason to protect a third. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see, you know, the numbers work out. Obviously, um, you know, Big Ten with, with nine conference games right now, if they could figure out a way to, to get uniform scheduling with with eight conference games, you were guaranteed that you were going to have, you know, as, as the alliance, in quotes, was supposedly going to set up, you were guaranteed to have a, a Power 5 non-conference game against, you know, either a ACC or a Pac-12 school. Um, then you know that makes sense. If you're looking at 14 teams in the Big Ten, you have your, you play your two rivals. Um, well, actually, then the number still doesn't work out because then you're still looking at 11. Never mind. So I, my math isn't very good, but um, you know it'll be interesting to see how they can try and rotate these through so that you don't have a completely lopsided top end schedule where once every five years um, you have the schedule of death, and and once every five years you have the schedule of of cake. Um, you know. Only time will tell, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it's it's fairly obvious everybody involved wants to make sure that Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin all play every single year. It's basically the question of if anybody else is going to get invited to the uh, to the triangle party. Uh, if Nebraska is going to try and, and see if they can keep that quadrangle of hate alive, or if Michigan's going to try and force their way back in, or 
you know, I saw some people basically say, well, the way the way it might work out, Minnesota might have to add like Purdue or Pe- or Northwestern as a as a permanent rival because the numbers just don't work out. Who knows? But uh, I think I think the only thing you can probably guarantee is that Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa will be facing each other on a yearly basis going forward for eternity. Yeah, and. And probably, I mean, you can guarantee, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State would happen. I mean, because even in that, when you get out there, I mean, yeah, because if you kept it to two, Ohio State could have Michigan and Penn State. Michigan could have Ohio State and Michigan State. Michigan State could have Penn State. Michigan State could have Penn State and Michigan. Yeah, I mean, or Penn State's going to have to pick up like Maryland. It's going to be like Maryland and somebody else. Because that's the thing is you got Maryland and Rutgers. So Maryland and Rutgers is one each. You're still going to have to try and find one more quote unquote rival for Rutgers and and Maryland. So Penn State probably will be one for one of them, but probably not for both of them. So are you just going to try and manufacture an Indiana Maryland rivalry and Indiana Rutgers rivalry? Well, there is an Indiana Rutgers rivalry because Rutgers fans hate. Um, Crimson Quarry. So, I mean, Rutgers fans pretty much hate every single Big Ten SB Nation blog for one reason or another at a time. So, <laughs> banned. We will ban advertising from your website, Andy. Yeah, I mean, they there, there's there's some nice dudes, but sometimes they just don't send their best. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking Rutgers. All right. Well, friends, that uh, is the end of this edition of the Sky U Podcast. Obviously, uh, keep an eye on the blog for all the news related to uh, what's coming up for the NCAAs uh, for track, how they do. And, of course, as more schedule news drops, we'll be all over that as well. In the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat. Oh.